0: Welcome to the fucking show. And sorry, I knew you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Uh, how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there go. Hello and welcome to Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. This is episode 87. In this episode, we have a mail sack that is going to get us started. It returns after a week off last week. We're going to look back and look ahead at week one and week two of the NFL football season, and then a big week of college football last week transpired. We are now going to go and look ahead at week... 3 in the college football season. This is going to be a loaded Carson Sack episode. I'm glad you're tuning in. Before we get into the mail sack, I do need to remind you like rate, review, subscribe, all that other good shit whatever it may be on iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify. Once again, this podcast is now available on spotify for your listening pleasure it helps me out a bunch and it helps to sack out a ton so please do that it means a whole whole lot to me without further ado let's get right into it here is this week's mail sack The first set of questions on this week's mail sack comes from Bailey Lehman who asks thoughts on the Steelers this season. The Steelers in week one go to Buffalo and pull off what has to be called an upset against the Buffalo Bills. You hear about all the all the excitement and all the Predictions for the Bills this year that, hey, you can kind of sort of pencil them into the AFC Championship game. Maybe they have a chance at the Super Bowl, but week one they come out and lay an egg. There was really no help for Josh Allen. The run game really wasn't anything with Singletary Zach Moss being out. Josh Allen had to do basically everything. The defense was fine on that side of the ball for the Bills, but what really surprised me for the Steelers was how the Steelers' defense was really able to come out and... Limit what the Bills offense wanted to do. The Steelers, I think, heard a lot this offseason about them stepping back, maybe regressing, and I think Tomlin probably used that as some motivational tactic and was able to get this team fired up and come out and get a win in Week 1. But the questions for the Steelers going into this year for the season long about what is Big Ben going to be able to offer you and how is Najee Harris going to do on the ground? Najee got a ton of touches out of the backfield but wasn't able to really produce and Big Ben he has that big touchdown game-winning pass to Deontay Johnson we cannot take that away but before that I think he finished the game with around 200 or sub 200 yards that uh on a week-to-week basis that's just not going to get it done in the NFL and I don't care how good your defense is playing it's just not going to work I think the Steelers are going to be competitive and be able to win some games this year. Obviously, there's a ton of talent on that team, but if you're going to be competing week in and week out and winning these games and being a factor in the AFC playoff picture, you're going to need better quarterback play. You're going, going to need Najee Harris to perform like a first-round running back, which she was taken in the first round. You're going to need to see those two guys step it up for the Steelers team to do anything of meaning this season. Uh, the next question she has is, do you think the Raiders' new stadium is dope or no? Uh, Steve Aoki was there for the first home game with fans in the Raiders' season this year. I thought it was very cool. Mark Davis last year didn't... I I don't think he went to the first game that was at home for the Raiders, and I'm not sure if he went to any game that was considered a home game for the Raiders because fans weren't allowed last year, and he said, I want... The first time I'm going to be here, the first game I'm there, I want the fans to be there, which I I think he did that all season. If he did, hats off to him. I think that's a great little uh, PR move by him. The stadium itself looks cool as shit, probably is cool as shit. It's in Vegas. It's an attraction, and it's going to be exciting to see all the fans there. This season, I know you move from Oakland, and you go from the Black Hole to Las Vegas, and it's sort of a transport thing, and you don't – really know how many Raiders fans are going to be there but there're a ton of Raiders fans you felt the energy everything like that and if Steve Aoki can come every game day then I think it's going to be a party every weekend there that a game is there. And then the last question she asked for us, do you think Trent should cut his hair? I think now is probably the worst time for him to cut his hair. We're getting into the fall and the winter, I think he needs to probably just continue to grow it until at least spring, it's, it's long right now. I understand that, but let's see how long we can get it. Let's let him have it until like March or April when the spring is happening, and then we'll see how that develops. But I think right now would just be probably the worst time for him to cut it because it's going to be cold, and you need that warmth on your head. Uh, thank you for sending those in. Uh, the next set of questions we have comes from Mary Andrews who asks, what is the worst sport to watch? The worst sport to watch for me is tennis. It, unless Rafael Nadal is playing, I really do not care. Rafael Nadal is my favorite tennis player um, out of the big three of Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic. And he's been dealing with some issues lately health-wise that he hasn't been in a lot of the Grand Slams or the tournaments. So there's been really no need for me to watch. And I find it pretty hard for me to get invested without my favorite player playing Um I know Serena, when she is there on the women's side, she garners a lot of interest, and I know Djokovic and Federer garner a lot of interest, but I find it very hard for me to find any means to watch or any reason to watch without my favorite player in a doll playing. So that's my answer on that. And then the next question Mary has for me is nachos or soft pretzels? If I'm at a sporting event, I will go... With a soft pretzel. It's very hard to mess up a soft pretzel. And I do not enjoy the generic nachos. If I'm at a bar. I will 1000% always go nachos. Uh, Tin Roof. Some fantastic nachos. Blind Squirrel. Good nachos. B-Dubs has some decent nachos, if I'm being honest, there's, and with the pretzels at the restaurants, they always try and fancy it up with, like, the logs rather than the actual pretzel, the only place I know that serves, like, an actual pretzel is World of Beer, and that thing's fucking massive, but they always try and fancy it up with the pretzel logs and the beer cheese and everything like that, and I I enjoy that, I, I will not lie, but I think you're gonna get more bang for your buck, and you're gonna get more of a shareable with nachos at a restaurant rather than at a game where it's hard to fuck up a pretzel and some nacho cheese at a game where I don't want just the generic, um, chips, salsa, nacho cheese, some jalapenos at a game. I'd rather go, and I think it's much easier to eat a pretzel at a game than nachos as well, if I'm being transparent. The next set of questions we have comes from Stephanie McLean who asks, what is your favorite song of all time? I Go back and forth with this all the time. When I'm listening to songs that I really like, I'm like, oh, this would probably make my top 10. And I say that for probably about 25 to 30 songs. But I always come back to Hey Ya by OutKast being my favorite song. I don't I don't really know why. Uh, I, I liked it when it first came out. I like it now. I, I think it's one of those songs for me that I can listen to it in any setting and I'm not it's not going to feel out of place if I'm at a pregame and I put that on people are gonna like it if I'm driving down in the summer windows down top off and I put it on I'm gonna be feeling good or if I'm in a bad mood and I will want to listen to maybe a sad song if you really listen to the words and everything it's not this big fire up like song it's a sort of sad song about breakup and love and everything like that. So I think it encompasses a ton of feelings and emotion that in any setting is going to be enjoyable. So I go with Hey Ya on that. And then she follows it up with, if you could pick somebody to play you in a movie, who would it be and why? I recently got asked this question a while, uh, by someone else, I forget who, over lunch or something and... If it could be Dead or Alive, I would hopefully, like, I would say... If Dead, I would go Chris Farley. Um, I think we both funny funny guys. I, I'd be willing to say I'm a funny guy, I guess. Um, if I have to go Alive, I would probably go with Kevin James. I think we are pretty similar. And then the third one, if I had to go Alive... If I wanted to make it a bit more serious of a movie... And granted, this guy can definitely do comedy. We saw that in *Itania*. We saw that in I Think You Should Leave. But uh, Paul Walter Hauser, known as playing Richard Jewell. Known as playing the friend that waxed Nancy, Nancy Kerrigan in *Itania*, I would go with him as a more modern, like, serious actor. But I don't think this movie would be too awful serious. I... If I... I would probably go in order Farley, Hauser, and then Kevin James just because I think Chris Farley is the best and then Hauser second with the more serious and then Kevin James. Maybe if those first two are working on another project or something, we can call Kevin James in and it'll work out. No big deal. Uh, Thank you for sending those in. Uh, Our next question comes from Mike Bennett who asks, is there any update on Podcast merch? Mike, there isn't I've this question's been asked in the past and it's asked to me for the mail it's asked to me just in person by a couple friends. Going I have made one t-shirt for Carson Sack and I enjoyed wearing it. I wear it occasionally and everything like that. But at the mall it cost me around $34 to make one t-shirt. I do not feel comfortable, and I do not think a t-shirt with my logo, the podcast logo on the back, is worth 40 bucks for me to break any kind of even or make any type of profit. I don't think it's worth that. If I was going to go and look into things, I would look at maybe stickers or maybe koozies. If there's anybody out there that knows a koozie guy that can make koozies, please let me know. I would venture into that maybe possibly I don't know how many I would have to make probably a bulk order of like a hundred I don't know how much that would be but I think koozies right now are the most next logical first step before I try and get into like actual clothing or anything like that um So there's the update on that. Uh, Mike also goes on to ask about a few other things. Yes, what was the biggest surprise of week one of the NFL? I honestly think it's probably how the Packers came out against the Saints and just totally sucked. Aaron Rodgers having a terrible, terrible game. Nothing for them looked good. And the, the Packers' defense was good last year, and they allowed Jameis Winston to throw for five touchdowns. Not what I expected at all. Also talk about, I get the Bills losing to the Steelers in the fashion that they did. Josh Allen not really being able to do much against the Steelers and put up a ton of points. Um, some more surprises. I I think Mac Jones coming out and doing all right wasn't a big surprise, but I was impressed at least. I sort of surprised. I'm not rooting against Mac Jones. I I want Justin Fields to be the best quarterback out of this draft class. That's not a shock to hear, but I was encouraged and I guess sort of a little surprised how decent Mac Jones looked. And I'd say that is complimentary, not like decent in a bad way. Um, but I guess those are my three big surprises. Uh, Mike also then asked, "Can you give us an update on the WWE landscape? Who are the champs?" Mike, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, Roman Reigns is the Universal Champion. He has been the Universal Champion now on the SmackDown brand for a little over a year and a half now. He won it last fall, and we're getting to the fall now. Um, He's he has been his moniker, the Big Dog. Of the WWE, he's lived up to it since returning um, in the COVID times and everything like that last year. Um, on Raw, the WWE champion that actually just changed hands on Monday night. Big E cashed in his money the money in the bank to beat Bobby Lashley. Big E, um, if wrestling fans. Any of them listening to this, if not Big E, a fan favorite, starts out in the New Day um, as a heel builds up that stable and they become one of the biggest, most popular groups ever in the WWE and maybe wrestling. Kofi Kingston gets his shot, he wins the WWE Championship a couple WrestleManias ago, Big E and The New Day are not officially split up, but they're on different shows, they're still The New Day, but they're on different shows, Big E goes to SmackDown, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods go to Raw, Big E has a bit of a push on his own, wins the IC title, has a few good feuds, and then wins the money in the bank he comes over catches in this past monday wins and now two-thirds of the new day have been we champions uh great story a fan favorite and a locker room favorite happy for Big E. I know this isn't this isn't wwe related but um i implore you and encourage you if w if you have a wrestling niche check out also wwe but check out aew on wednesday nights um been a fan of theirs since they first started a couple uh, year or two years ago got to go to an event of theirs this past Wednesday in Cincinnati had a incredible time um, it's an alternative and now it is turning into competition for WWE that is it's a good thing WWE's product is better when there's competition we saw that back in the late 90s with the Monday night wars uh, it's a very good time to be a wrestling fan and Mike I appreciate you asking and shedding a light onto this thank you for asking and then our last question from Instagram comes from Lily Dooley French who asks, are you fucking friends with her this is in reference to the Jersey Shore Ron and Sammy fight um I'm not going to try and do the accent I'm just going to put it in here are you friends with her let me know now are you friends with her Are you, are you friends with her? If that's what you want to take it as. Look at me, talk to me. You're playing me out right now, that's not cool. You played me out tonight, Sam. Are you friends with her, yes or no? Hey, we're going to Ryder's birthday. I don't give a (laughs) a, are you, Ron? You You played me out. out. Let me know, let me know right now. I tried to talk before. No, I'm talking to you now. Are you friends with her or no? Friends with who? Me. (laughs) Are you friends with her or no? Whatever you want. If he's friends with her, I'm out of here. And I would just like to make it abundantly clear, I am not friends with her. Uh, thank you for that question. Our next question comes from Zach Berger, who asks, What is the best sports video game ever? Personally, for me, it would be some of the Raw vs. Smackdowns. Those were awesome to play if you want to count those as video games uh, in the sports category. Madden back in the day was always very fun I was never super big into like MLB baseball games um, I know that NFL 2K 5 or 6 with T.O. on the cover is thought to be great I had that game and I played it I don't remember it all awful that much another big one that I was a fan of was the NBA basketball 10 with Blake Griffin on the cover um, I, I was a fan of that but became more of a fan once we learned that Nobody was going to be able to play basketball games uh, in college after 2010. So those would be that. And then our last question, we have two more, excuse me. Who is winning Champions League this year? That question comes from Polly Marino. You look at this year's Champions League, your eyes immediately, I think, have to go to PSG. You have Messi, you have Mbappe, you have Neymar. Three of the top players in the world all on one team. Chelsea coming off winning it last year. There's going to be a huge target on their back. But I think they have a team that's built with a defensive mindset and an intensity focused on defense that could help them uh, make a run to repeating. That doesn't happen that often in Champions League, but it is a possibility. Um, Some other teams to keep in mind, you have to look at um, Atletico Madrid. They have a pretty good team with a bunch of different players. a a good mentality and the same manager to give them continuity. That's going to go a long way. Um, It's not impossible for them, but I think it is kind of hoping. And then you can also look at Manchester city. Uh, They continue to be one of the best clubs in Europe um, season after season. It feels like sooner or later, they're going to get one of these. Um, They've been on the doorstep a few times They play in one of the toughest leagues in the Premier League, so week in and week out, they're being tested, they're being pushed, Um, while some of these other clubs, like a PSG, yes, they do face good opponents in their own right, Um, but at times they're not, week in and week out, having to go and do battle against a Premier team like a Chelsea, like a Man United, like a Arsenal, like just so many other teams. So I think there's a few... Decent teams and options. Obviously, a lot of the focus is going to be on PSG because of adding Messi. I am going to go with Chelsea to go back-to-back. I just enjoy what they do on the defensive side of the ball that I think, the old saying, defense wins championships, um, defense wins the Champions League. So I'm going to go with Chelsea uh, to go back-to-back in a shocker. And then our last and final question comes from Claire Samuels, who asked, should I bench Saquon this week? Be honest. Um... It is maddening listening to some of the overreactions that you and your fellow players in your fantasy league make. Um, when healthy, Saquon Barkley is a top 10 running back. You mentioned that you had Daryl Henderson and another person as well. Um, I Week one... Coming off an ACL injury like Saquon was last week, you got to give him time to move in. You're going to play him. He's a top 10, top 5 running back when he gets a normal usage. Is that going to happen this week? I have no idea, but I think it is a bit premature and an overreaction for you to one week into the season after one bad week of coming off, given all the intangibles Of week one coming off, coming off the ACL injury, and first time he's faced game action in over a year. Let's just, cooler jets, cooler heads will prevail. Start Saquon Barkley this week. And if he does bad, you have my phone number. Text me, call me, tell me, hey, you were right, I was wrong, and I will gladly own that. That is going to do it for the mail sack this week. Once again, thank all the listeners and friends for sending questions in. Keep your eyes peeled on Instagram and Snapchat early next week for your chance to send in questions. This segment is not possible without you. Now, let's get to some NFL. We start on Thursday night. The Giants going to Washington to face the football team. Both these teams, the NFC East, coming out 0-1 on the year. The Giants losing to the Broncos in sort of a blowout. And then Washington having a competitive game against the Chargers. The big news in this one is... The quarterback play for the Giants needs to step up if they are going to have any chance. It really is a make-or-break year for Daniel Jones. 267 yards and a touchdown, but the rushing game for them was non-existent. Uh, Daniel Jones was the leading rusher for the Giants 27 yards and a touchdown uh, a nice big surprise from Sterling Shepard receiving wise seven receptions 113 yards and a touchdown on the other side of the field for the Washington football team they lose Ryan Fitzpatrick the quarterback that they thought was going to elevate them this year from playoff team to a contender he is out with a hip injury for the majority of this year Heineke comes in uh, has 122 yards and a touchdown and Chino Gibson in builds on a strong rookie year last year, 20 carries, 90 yards. And Terry McLaurin, the wide receiver from Ohio State, he has four receptions and 62 yards. I just don't see a world where the Washington football team doesn't win this game on Thursday night. I think they are a better team. I would even go as far as say Heineke is going to outperform Daniel Jones and going to propel Washington to a victory on Thursday night. Moving on, we have the Texans and the Browns. Texans coming off their win against the Jaguars, and the Jaguars look totally out of it. Texans completely dominated. They got a good game on the ground for Mark Ingram, 85 yards and a touchdown. Tyrod Taylor was very game manager-esque with 291 yards and two touchdowns. And Brandon Cooks, five receptions, 132 yards. Uh, For the Browns, they come out. And they jump to a big lead against the Chiefs, and they wind up blowing it. Baker Mayfield throws a... Poorly timed interception on a potential game winning drive late, late in the fourth quarter. But up until that point, Baker, 321 yards, no touchdowns, but the ground game was really where it was at for the Browns in that game. Nick Chubb was able to amass 83 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, David Njoku was the leading receiver with Odell Beckham Jr. out, but the rookie Anthony Schwartz, the speedster, he got involved. Jarvis Landry found the end zone on a run play. Um, it was a really good effort by Cleveland. Going into Arrowhead, your first game of the year on the road against what some people are saying is the best team in the NFL, it's a tough ass to win that game. They did everything they needed to to win except in that last drive, Baker turned it over. The defense did All right for the majority of the game, but then the fourth quarter, it really looked like the Chiefs on both sides of the ball just flipped a switch. The defense was able to slow down the run game and cause that one turnover, and the offense for the Chiefs was able to really turn on. Uh, Patrick Mahomes hit a massive 75-yard touchdown pass to Tyree Kill, and Travis Kelsey was able to be the matchup problem that... He always is. Uh, He was able to do that in the big moments in the fourth quarter and ended up scoring that winning touchdown. In this game, I go with the Browns over the Texans. I just think that the Browns are the more complete and better team, so they ultimately will end up beating the Texans. Uh, The next game, the Raiders and the Steelers. The Raiders coming off that incredible Monday night game against the Ravens and the Steelers coming off their impressive upset over the Bills. I am going to actually go with the Raiders in this one. I think maybe a bit of a hangover for the Steelers, um, a big emotional win. Is Tomlin going to be able to psych these guys up? Because I think he had a very easy task of all offseason. The Steelers and Tomlin heard, hey, these guys probably aren't going to be as good, all that and I think there was some motivation for that. Are you going to be able to perform and find that motivation week in and week out in the NFL? I think it's a tough ask. And Ben Roethlisberger obviously has to play better, I think, for them to contend. And especially to win this game because the Raiders are able to score points. Uh, Roethlisberger only 188 yards, that one touchdown. And Najee Harris is going to have to find some some way to be effective, whether that's running the ball or catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, That front 7-4, the Raiders was able to get pressure on Lamar and contain him at times in the big moments when they needed to. It'll be interesting to see if they can continue to get pressure on the quarterback because if they can, then I think that's where the Steelers get in trouble and the Raiders are able to maybe build a lead and just pound the ball with Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake and be able to secure this win. So I'm going to go with the Raiders over the Steelers. The next game, we have the Bengals and the Bears. The Bears coming off their loss on Sunday night football to the Rams. I don't think anybody was surprised by that. And then the Bengals having that OT field goal three-point win against the Vikings where they came back and secured the victory. Um... Very impressive showing by the Bengals what they were able to do. Joe Burrow, 261 yards and two touchdowns. Mixon was able to actually contribute and stay healthy to this game on the ground. He had 127 yards and a touchdown. And then Jamar Chase, all that was made about him with his troubles in the preseason and in camp, not being able to catch, and how he did know it was a different ball, all this stuff. What's he do? He comes out in his first game in the NFL, 101 yards and a touchdown for the Bears. Andy Dalton, a very Andy Dalton stat line, 206 yards and an interception. I was extremely impressed by what David Montgomery was able to do on the ground for the Bears. 108 yards and a touchdown. Um, I know when you think the Rams, you don't really think of teams being able to run on them because of Aaron Donald and the rest of that front seven and the rest of that defense. But the Bears at times were able to get some chunk plays and some yardages. So I really think if the Bengals are going to be able to win this game, they're going to have to do the same thing. And get some chunk yardage on the Bears here in the run game to set up Joe Burrow for success in the passing game. Obviously, I think the Bears have the better defense, but I think that the Bengals have a defense that Andy Dalton is not going to be able to shred up by any means. So I'm going to go with the Bengals over the Bears in this one. That is a sack pick. The at this moment the Bengals are catching two so. Mark it down, sack pick. Uh, the next game, a game I'm excited for, the Rams go to the Colts. Carson Wentz' debut for the Colts didn't go as planned as they lose to the Seahawks last week. But Wentz was pretty good in that one, 251 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the Seahawks were able to bottle up. Jonathan Taylor, he only had 56 yards, but he was also a lead receiver for the Colts with 60 receiving yards. So he had himself a pretty decent day. Um, for the Rams, the big story of the offseason for them, Matthew Stafford, is he going to come and now propel these guys to Super Bowl contenders? And it really looks like it. I understand they played the Bears, and that's not the best team, and there were some blown assignments, but Stafford was everything as advertised that you could want in that first game that was going to give Rams hope and hope give them the idea that their success to be had this season. Stafford in that game 321 yards and three touchdowns through the air. Cooper Cup, 108 yards and a touchdown. And then Henderson on the ground. You didn't see a lot of Sony Michelle, but that was okay because Henderson on 16 carries had 70 yards and a touchdown and was able really, it it didn't seem like they were using him a lot in the first three quarters, really using him more as play action stuff. But in the fourth quarter, when the defensive for the Bears was tired, that line was tired, uh, Henderson was able to sort of impose as well and get some big chunk games, move the chains late in the game, get some first. Downs and keep the clock moving. So it'll be interesting to see how hopefully that role for Henderson can expand because I think if there is an ability to establish him as a runner and they can continue to use the play action for Stafford, which he had a lot of success doing play action, moving the pocket and throwing it downfield to Cup and Woods and Van Jefferson if that can continue to grow and be an actual threat, the run game for the Rams and that play action becomes even more dangerous. And obviously. You have the defense for the Rams, which was extremely good, uh, with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and a lot of other pieces. Uh, The Rams are favored in this one by 3.5. I am going to go... Just to be contrarian, I'll go with the Colts to beat the Rams in this one in a tough, hard-fought game. The next game on the NFL slate, we have the Bills going to the Dolphins. Dolphins were able to pull out a tough... Tough victory against the Patriots in Foxborough in Week 1. The Bills losing again that upset to the Steelers. I think the Bills go down there, piss off, and get the victory against Tua and the Dolphins. I think Tua, you look back at the end of last year and the game that they had against the Bills, and I understand a whole year off, he could probably got better a little bit, so-and-so, but the Bills were able to t- cause a ton of turnovers. I don't know if they caused as many, but I think that the Bills... I sort of had a wake up call in that week one, and I think they come out and they win this game against the Dolphins. Next game, we have the Patriots and the Jets. Mac Jones in his rookie debut looked totally fine 281 yards and a touchdown. Zach Wilson in his rookie debut for the Jets looked pretty good, honestly. 258 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. The run game was practically non existent for the Jets. That's going to probably. Be one of their Achilles heels for this entire year. Uh, Tevin Coleman, he was the leading rusher with nine yards and uh, excuse me, nine carries for 24 yards. Uh, the rushing attack for the Patriots, 100 yards by Damian Harris, and then the leading receiver, Nelson Aguilar, a guy they signed in this offseason, the leading receiver, 72 yards on touchdown on five catches. Um, I'm going to go with the Patriots. Patriots in this one, uh, it just seems sort of like a foregone conclusion that that is going to be what happens. Our next game, the 49ers and the Eagles. The 49ers getting a – in the box score, it's going to look closer than what it actually was, but a – Pretty decisive victory against the Lions in week one, and then the Eagles getting a big boost in week one by beating the Falcons. Uh, You look at what Jalen Hurts was able to do, 264 yards and three touchdowns. I could not be happier. Um, I got a question a couple weeks ago about – not a question, excuse me. I just went off basically about the attitude and not – not really embracing Jalen Hurts as their starting quarterback, and I get it's against the Falcons who aren't this defensively prowess team or anything like that, but Jalen Hurts balled out, and I love to see it. I hope it continues. You're going to get a much tougher test week two with what the 49ers are going to have on the defensive side of the ball. I will actually take the 49ers in this one to win this game. Jim Nagaroppolo Garoppolo had 314 yards and a touchdown. They lose, the 49ers do, moster. They're starting running back. It'll be interesting to see how Shanahan is able to rotate bodies in and out. He's done that in years past. It'll be interesting to see if the rookie, Trey Sermon, who they drafted and were high on in camp, what he his production's going to look like because Mitchell, the running back that came in, he had 104 yards and a touchdown on 19 carries, so he was pretty good. Debo Samuel was the offensive star for the 49ers, 189, 189 yards and a touchdown. Um, If he can continue to progress and IU can come along um, and Garoppolo can continue to facilitate and getting them the ball, then I like the 49ers' chances a lot this year. So I'm going to take the 49ers over the Eagles. Next game, we have an NFC South matchup between the Saints and the Panthers. The Saints, as I had mentioned earlier, with Jameis Winston, five touchdowns. Alva Kamara, 20 carries, 83 yards. That defense forcing a couple turnovers against the Packers. It was a beatdown the Saints gave to the Packers. Was not expecting that at all. It'll be interesting to see if they can continue to do that. For the Panthers, Sam Darnold, his debut, pretty Sam Darnold-ish numbers, but no turnovers and a victory. Darnold didn't get a ton of those in New York, but 279 yards and a touchdown. McCaffrey did McCaffrey things, 98 yards on the ground, 89 yards receiving. I'm going to take the Saints in this one. I think their defense is just going to be able to get after Darnold a little bit and maybe cause some more turnovers, so I'm going to go with the Saints. The next game, we have the Broncos and the Jaguars. I think this game is basically a foregone conclusion already. It is another sack pick for me. I'm going with the Broncos to win this game. Uh, The spread is minus six. I think the Jaguars, I mentioned a little bit last week, I think Urban's in over his head, and I think we saw that in week one. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, in his rookie debut, 322 yards and three touchdowns. Three interceptions, though. They were down most of the game, so he was throwing the ball a lot. Uh, Carlos Hyde was your leading rusher. That shouldn't fucking happen. James Robinson, in his second year this year, had 1,000 yards last year. He's the clear-cut number one. I understand things broke differently, but you got to find a way for him to be involved. Uh, For the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater, 264 yards and two touchdowns, just a typical Terry touchdown, Teddy Bridgewater. Excuse me, I said Terry touchdown. Excuse me. Teddy touchdown, Teddy Bridgewater sat line there. Uh, Melvin Gordon provided some spark on the ground, 101 yards and a touchdown. The Broncos do lose Jerry Judy to an ankle injury for a good amount of the season, but they do have talent there with K.J. Hamler, Noah Fant, um, what's it Cortland Sutton as well there's talent that Teddy's still going to be able to facilitate too and I think that defense is extremely good, Von Miller looked great uh, coming off of his injury last year to play this year, he looked great in week one and then with that secondary that they have with Simmons or Simons, however you say it, at safety and then Sertan getting some more work. Uh, now with the injury to I believe they had one of their quarterbacks hurt. Um, he, Sertan's going to get thrown into the fire, but I think he's ready. Um, I'm going to go with the Broncos to beat the Jaguars. Next game we have the Vikings and the Cardinals. Cardinals came out, and I think they were a big surprise um, early in week one. They come out, Chandler Jones with five sacks, just demolishing that Titans offensive line. Kyler Murray looked like a magician all day, evading sackers and tacklers and throwing downfield. 289 yards and four touchdowns. Run game was sort of non-existent, but that was okay for them. In week one, Hopkins on the receiving end of two touchdowns from Kyler. I don't think that they're uh, the Vikings are going to be able to stop what the Cardinals are doing, so I'm going to take the Cardinals over the Vikings. Next game, we have the Falcons and the Buccaneers. I think this one's pretty simple. I think the Buccaneers end up winning that game after uh, escaping week one against the Cowboys. Speaking of the Cowboys, the Cowboys go to Los Angeles to face the Chargers. I'm going to take the Cowboys in this one. Uh, The Chargers had an extremely tough game against the Washington football team. Justin Herbert looked pretty good, 337 yards, a touchdown, did have one interception. Um, Austin Eckler on the ground, 57 yards and a touchdown. Keenan Allen, 100 yards to the air. Dak Prescott, um, that was a big question for the Cowboys this offseason and then in game one. How is he going to perform? He did exquisite 403 yards three touchdowns they threw the ball a shit ton it's gonna you're gonna need Ezekiel to step up maybe the game flow and the game plan really wasn't let's try and run on the Buccaneers defense because their front seven is so good let's try and attack that secondary that is the weak point of that defense um and I that game plan worked for all but four seconds of that game where they ended up losing at the end but um I'm gonna take the Cowboys in this one but We need more than 33 yards on the ground for Ezekiel Elliott. Again, he only had 11 carries. I think maybe they try and get him involved a little bit more and the Cowboys end up winning this one. Next game, we have the Titans and the Seahawks. The Titans going west to Seattle. I'm going to go with the Seahawks. I think the Titans are maybe gonna feel the ramifications be a little shell shock of that loss in week one to the Cardinals I think that a lot of the strengths that the Cardinals have is also the strength of the Seahawks where the vertical passing game with Metcalf and Lockett is going to be able to be showcased and if there's a run game at all with Chris Carson where I think he had about 90 yards in the first game of the year against the Colts then I think it's going to be real hard for this Titans team to pick and defend. for the Titans, though, uh, Derrick Henry only having 58 yards, that just will not do. Uh, this Seattle defense is okay. It's not great. It's not bad. Um, if the Titans can maybe get Derrick Henry involved a little bit more, maybe get him up to around 20, 25 carries, then I think they have a chance. But falling down like they did doesn't really um, wasn't conducive to getting Henry a ton of touches, so I don't think that's really necessarily all Henry's fault for not having a super productive day. It was just game flow and everything like that. But I think the strengths that the Seahawks have are able going to be able to show the weaknesses and the holes that the Titans have, so I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Our Sunday night game is the Chiefs and the Ravens. It really just seems like for the last two years and this year as well, the Chiefs, I don't want to say they don't take the game serious because they do and they're playing in it, but it seems like in the third quarter or the fourth quarter, there's just a switch. They flip that they might not be blowing a team out or they might be trailing or it might be a close game. And then they flip a switch and all of a sudden like Holmes and Kelsey and Hill and that defensive line show up and they just win the game. And that was evident in week one, um, it, during winning time in the fourth quarter, all of those names that I mentioned, they showed up, made big plays and ended up winning them the game. Um, I just it's infuriating because as a fan, you would just like them to maybe blow the team out from the beginning. But if they're winning, that's all that matters Uh, on the Ravens. For them, they lose that heartbreaker on Monday night. Lamar Jackson, 235 yards and a touchdown through the air. He was a leading rusher for the Ravens as well. I think that's going to be a theme this entire year. But Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray did look pretty decent. Um, on the ground for them Sammy Watkins was a leading receiver with 96 yards and Marquise Brown made some decent, sizable, important catches late in the game, so that was nice to see Maybe he is not going to drop as many passes this year. Uh, the defense for the Ravens, I was surprised, got ate up a little bit uh, by the passing by Derek Carr and everything. Not something I expected. I am going to take the Chiefs over the Ravens in this one. This is my last sack pick in this one. Um, I Hopefully it doesn't come back to bite me where I said the whole flip and the switch thing for the Chiefs, but could happen. And then the Monday night game, the last game of week two, the Lions go to the Packers. Both these teams coming off losses. I think the Packers got woken up just like the Bills did. Like in week one, I think the Packers come out and they win this game pretty decisively. I think we can expect to see a healthy dose of... Aaron Jones on the ground. Aaron Rodgers is probably gonna have himself a decent game, and the front line is gonna need to be good for them because the Lions have a good defensive line. Um, that seemed to be an issue for the Packers in this last game with the Saints and protecting Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, the Packers are without their best offensive lineman in Bakhtiari. That's a tough blow, but guys need to step up. They need to keep Aaron Rodgers off his back, give him time to throw and they got to make some lanes for Aaron Jones. The Lions were impressive to me a little bit with Dan Campbell in Week 1. They didn't give up. They come and make it a 41-33 final. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they maybe try and get to Jamal Williams on his return to Green Bay, some extra touches and things like that. Williams had himself a decent day on the ground in Week 1, 54 yards on a touchdown. But it's nice to see that the Lions just didn't, wilt away and give up when they were had that big uh deficit that they fought for dan campbell i think that's going to be a calling card for this team all year that they're never going to give up or anything like that but ultimately i do think the packers end up winning this game on monday night that is going to do it for the nfl segment on this week's cars and sack let's shift focus a little bit now and let's go talk about week three and a little bit of week two in the college football season <laughs> The first game I want to talk about for the college football week three is the Friday night game, UCF coming to Louisville. Louisville, Malik Cunningham on the year, 469 yards and two touchdowns. Louisville was able to beat EKU 30-3. to There was a lot of turnovers that the Louisville Cardinals defense was able to force. Uh, UCF comes into this game, Gus Malzahn, his third game on the year, uh, with Gabriel, the quarterback there, who some people had some aspirations for him to be the Heisman uh, winner, a Heisman sleeper. He on the year, 630 yards, six touchdowns, and two interceptions. Uh, Bowser, the running back, UCF has been extremely impressive through two games, 231 yards and five touchdowns. I really think UCF is going to win this game. I'm not trying to start this off on a negative note for Cardinals fans, but I just think UCF is the better and better team and I think Bowser is going to have a big game on the ground for them. We look we keep it in state. We look at Chattanooga and UK. Kentucky coming off a good win against Missouri. They won the game that I thought it was important for Kentucky to win that game because it was a game that they should have won. And in past years, there's been those type of games where Kentucky is the favorite and they should win that game. And in the fourth quarter, they find a way to lose that game. And Levis and Rodriguez, despite Rodriguez's fumbles, Levis and Stoops and Rodriguez at the end were not going to let Kentucky lose that game. And they were able to win. Kentucky Beach, Chattanooga, I think. Um, Just to look at some numbers for Levis so far this year, 546 yards and five touchdowns, two interceptions, and then Rodriguez on the ground, 331 yards and four touchdowns. So big games for him. Um, The next game, Tulsa at Ohio State. Ohio State coming off that embarrassing loss to Oregon where that defense looked totally lost. A brief little snippet as an Ohio State fan. Ohio State's in a real tough position with the defensive coordinator in Kerry Combs. You don't fire in midseason. You make adjustments. You make. You have to make it work somehow. They're going to be without their starting safety, Josh Proctor. That's a tough loss. You, you got. I feel like for recruiting purposes, you have to keep Combs on somehow on the staff because is he is an elite recruiter defensive wise. You keep him on the staff. You don't fire him. In midseason, that's a recipe for disaster. Maybe you get some play calling uh, duties turned over to Larry Johnson uh, at Washington. Maybe I don't know. At times, the linebacking play in that Oregon game was the problem, and I don't know whether that's schematic stuff or if that has to do with just how they're playing and what they have there. On the defense side of the ball at linebacker, but maybe you turn the the call, play calling dudes over to Washington or Larry Johnson or something like that, um, in the middle of the season. But you have to keep. I think you have to keep. Comes on through this year, and I think you keep him on the staff somehow, and you address the defensive coordinator position in the offseason. Hopefully, they can score again, like they did with Halfley, maybe get somebody from the NFL that isn't super known and is a defensive-minded coach, and you can bring him in and have the same success Halfley did, and that can propel him to a career on his own. Hopefully, he stays a little bit longer than what Halfley did, um, but so be it. Uh, this Tulsa team is... They're decent. I know the record's 0-2. They had some hype preseason. I think Ohio State's going to be able to win this game. Um, I think Tulsa will probably be able to score a little bit on this because I think they are going, Ohio State is going to be implementing so many defensive changes this week and rotations and players and schemes and things like that. Um, But maybe that's a good thing maybe that Tulsa will just sort of maybe not have as much tape on the new ideas that they're going to be doing, that they're going to be totally surprised and Tulsa's coaches are going to have to change mid-game and maybe that, like, is conducive to Ohio State and maybe keeping them to sub-20. I consider anything sub-21 for Ohio State defense right now a win uh, just with the state that that defense is in, but I do ultimately think that Ohio State does beat Tulsa. Looking down the line at the slate of the games, there's not a ton of big matchups. A game I'm interested in seeing is Cincinnati, six in the country, two and zero on the year, going to Indiana. Um, a big non-conference game for Cincinnati, not the biggest non-conference game they have this year. That comes up a little bit later on with Notre Dame. It'll be interesting to see how they're able to defend uh, Fry and Penix. Penix on the year, three interceptions to two touchdowns, That's just not going to work. Um, I expect Cincinnati to win this game, but I think it will be a close-fought game. You look at Cincinnati, their defense is very good. Ritter has looked very good so far this year, five hundred and thirty-six, thirty-eight 38 yards and six touchdowns. And then Ford, the running back for Cincinnati, already with four touchdowns. Um, I expect Cincinnati to win this game, but I think it will be a closer game than what people are expecting. Then you look at Virginia Tech going to West Virginia. West Virginia is favored in this one. Uh, Brewmeister for the Virginia Tech Hokies. Two touchdowns and interception on the year. Going to need, and he's the leading team in rushing, going to need to see somebody besides him step up for Virginia Tech to have success in this game. Um, Doge, Diage, however you say it, the West Virginia quarterback, four touchdowns on the year, and four touchdowns for Brown, the running back for West Virginia. That's a game to keep an eye on. I I'll go West Virginia. They had a tough opening game against North Carolina. Then Middle Tennessee State, tough, good team. Um, I think maybe those first two games are going to wear them a little bit. I'll go with West Virginia over Virginia Tech. A game I'm interested in is Michigan State and Miami. Uh, Michigan State retooling there under the new coach. How are they going to go and be in a big out-of-conference matchup in week one? Uh, Excuse me in week three, but how are they going to respond to that? Derek King, 379 yards and a touchdown, two interceptions. Not really uh, coming through for me on the Heisman prediction so far, but I think maybe that this is a game that can get him going and propel him. I'm going to take Miami over Michigan State. We continue on down, Purdue and Notre Dame. It'll be interesting to see if Notre Dame, in their first two games, pretty high scoring, Uh, they had a scare from Toledo last week Uh, Purdue is I think the best offensive team that they're going to face um, so far this year How with David Bell, how are they going to stop him from catching a ton of balls on touchdown Plummer, six touchdowns on the year already for Purdue Um, the talent is obviously on Notre Dame's side but the talent has to perform um, and I think it does help a little bit that it's in at Notre Dame but it's It's going to be an extremely short drive for Purdue fans, so expect to see, I think, a decent amount of them. Um, I'm going to... You know what? Yeah, screw it. I'll go with Purdue to upset Notre Dame here. Um... I think that's a massive, massive win, Purdue and Brom there to go into Notre Dame, but I think they have the talent um, at quarterback and the receiving positions to do that. It'll be interesting to see if the defense can step up and slow down Cone, who's had a good year so far coming over from Wisconsin and has looked pretty good. Looked good that first game against Florida State. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the Purdue defense can stop them or slow them down enough that they can score more points, but I'm picking Purdue. And then probably the game of the day, Alabama at Florida. Um, Florida's quarterback situation, dicey to say the least. Emery Jones, 264 yards, two touchdowns but four interceptions. On the ground, Richardson for Florida, 275 yards and two touchdowns. Um, I just think Alabama wins this game probably pretty comfortably. Um, Bryce Young has looked, as advertised, already 571 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, The running game for Alabama hasn't been as dominant as I thought it would be. Um, Robinson there, 139 yards, 130 yards, excuse me, and a touchdown. Um, But Jamison Williams coming over from Ohio State has impressed so far, 157 yards and two touchdowns. So a touchdown a game. I am fairly comfortable saying Alabama wins this game pretty comfortably. It's a 14 and a half spread. I'm not... I honestly, I feel comfortable laying the points there. I just think it's a uh, going to be a long day in Gainesville for the Florida team. And then the night matchup, you have Auburn going to Penn State. Uh, Sean Clifford, 477 yards and two touchdowns for Penn State. Kane, the running back for Penn State, has looked good, 117 yards and two touchdowns. Dotson, a great underrated receiver in the Big Ten and in the country, 167 yards and two touchdowns. Bo Nix has thrown for five touchdowns. Hunter, the running back for Auburn, has got two touchdowns as well. I think it, whoever wins it, it's going to be whoever's defense shows up. Um... I'm going to go with Penn State in this one. I think Penn State, I know they're favorited. I know the FBI says they have the chance to win. And it's only a five-point spread. It sort of still feels like an upset because SEC going to the Big Ten, you associate the SEC probably being better than the Big Ten. But I think Penn State is able to get it done um, there with a raucous environment and gets the win against Auburn. Let's see. That's it. The late games, you have Oklahoma and Boise State. That'll be exciting, but I think Oklahoma State wins that one. Arizona State and BYU. I think BYU gets a win against a Utah team that last week in the Holy War that maybe wasn't as good as everybody expected. I think Arizona State with Daniels there, still a quarterback. I love what he does on the – ground as well I'm gonna take Arizona State over BYU and then UCLA has Fresno State that'll be a tough game hopefully there's not a hangover for UCLA after the first two wins that they had against Hawaii and the big win against LSU where UCLA just dominated hopefully there's not because I enjoy UCLA and Dorian Thompson Robinson I go back listen to the first uh, episode I did of this season I've been on them. I'm going to hopefully go with UCLA in this one to beat Fresno State. That is going to do it for episode 87 of Carson Sack Podcast. I, once again, thank you for tuning in and listening. Like, rate, review, subscribe, all of that good shit on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you may be getting this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. It means a whole lot to me cannot begin to thank you enough. We are approaching 20,000 listens across all episodes. That means a whole lot to me. Hopefully we can get over that before the 100th episode mark that we are inching and creeping towards. Only 13 more episodes before that 100th episode. I could not imagine doing that a couple years ago when I started this. But before we get on the soapbox and start thank you, we need to get to that first. Thank you once again for listening. As we always end here on The Sack, we will be i be like, sheesh, sunset on the beach. Make me wanna pull up on my me with the heat. I don't know about you, but I know about me. Summertime in Florida, catch me sliding on the key. Yeah, uh, I'm sliding, my looks could kill, they violent. Look at me, look, look at, at me. me, I'm the captain in pilot. In I'm an on an island, private. Don't it. ask me what the vibe is, I can't define it, can't even.